Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. So, before we get started, I want to address the fact that, yes, you are listening to an audio, and uh, if you're on the video site, okay? And once again, it's the audio over the top of uh, the uh, clip art thing that I usually make the uh, thumbnail. Um, the reason is because I came home from work today, uh, which is Saturday, and I was excited thinking that maybe, just maybe, because I'm off on Sunday, that I could do a live or make a video and announce that uh, from here moving forward, you might see a live Sermons in the Park on Facebook again. Well, uh, picked up my computer, which I found on the floor where it wasn't supposed to be. It was supposed to be on my couch. Uh, and uh, the screen was busted. Uh, so somehow someone either A, stepped on it, or B, it fell and hit the corner and it busted my screen. Um, and right now I'm looking at the uh, sermon notes pulled up and... Uh, yeah, it doesn't look too good. So I'm going to go out Sunday and look and try to find a new laptop that will suffice until I can get a better one um, so I can start doing videos again. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's why you're seeing a thumbnail instead of a video. So, but yes, uh, from now moving forward, there might be a chance that you might wake up on a Sunday. I will announce it beforehand, but you, there is a chance that there will start being live sermons in the park videos again on YouTube or <laughs> Facebook. And then I will also, of course, put the recorded up on YouTube and BitChute and Rumble and all that. But it's just a, uh, something for you to look forward to. Uh, so, yeah. Um... As we get started here, let's bow our, he bow our heads and thank our Heavenly Father for all the great and wonderful gifts that He's given us. Heavenly Father, we thank You for everything. We thank You for life. We thank You for breath. We thank You for air. We thank You for when the temperature is too hot. Thank You. Thank You for giving us heat. When it's too cold, thank You for giving us cold. When it's snowing and we're wondering why, like when I left Kroger's the other day, <laughs> we thank you because you know what you're doing. And I looked at my wife and told her, Lord, you, you heard me. I said, I don't understand why it's snowing, but God knows what he's doing. And I may not understand it, but you're doing what you, you're, you're doing what this world needs at that particular moment. You know when we need snow and we don't. You know when we need rain and we don't. We know, Father, that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. It snows on the just and the unjust alike. It, it gets hot on the just and the unjust alike. We all deal with it together. And it's all your handiwork. You give us rain when we need it. You give us snow when we need it. You give us wind when we need it. Everything that we need, you give us. You take care of our needs. And we thank you. We thank you in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So, if this is your first video here on YouTube or BitChute or Rumble, 
or your first time listening to the podcast, uh, let's address what we always address here at the beginning. What we do here is we do a book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse review of a book of the Bible. Currently, we are in Genesis. Where, uh, if you want to get caught up, I do invite you now to pause this video or podcast and go back and get yourself caught up. So you're up to where we are today. We're up to chapter 22, and this is one that um, that I know that many of you have been looking forward to. Just like how I know that many of you were looking forward to the chapter on Sodom and Gomorrah, right? But this one, of course, is The Binding of Isaac. And no children, I'm not talking about the video game. I'm talking about the true Binding of Isaac, where that video game got its title from. And uh, I don't want to keep you waiting, because I know that you, you know, some of you have been looking forward to this. Now, I do want to address the fact that in Islam, it's not Isaac that is bound here, but it is... Uh, Ishmael, which I'm sorry, it's not true. The Bible's true. Point and blank. And uh, so I don't want to keep you waiting, so let's dive right on in there. Let's look at Genesis chapter 22. We're going to read the whole chapter, right? We're going to read chapter 1, or I'm sorry, verse 1 all the way to verse 24. And what do you know? I, uh, I blocked one page too far, didn't I? And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it up upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, 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 Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram 
and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And, angel, and the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and they shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. And it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah, she hath also borne children unto thy brother Nahor. Huz, his firstborn, and Buz, his brother, and Chemol, the father of Aram, and Chesed, and Hazo, and Pildash, and Jid, I'm butchering these names, but bear with me, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begat Rebekah. These eight Milcah did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother, and his concubine, whose name was Reoma, she bare also Teba, and Graham, and Thahash, and Makan. Now, like we always do, let's go back. Let's start with that first verse, right? And we're going to reread that. <coughs> Sorry. And we're going to move forward. So verse twenty, verse chapter 21, verse 1 says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And I feel that it's very important that we look at one part here. And that is where it says, God did tempt Abraham. Now, the word that is translated here as tempt would have been better if it had been translated to proved or even tested. Now, why do I say this? The Bible tells us that God does not tempt anyone with evil. Right, and the word of God is always true. And I say it's because of what we see in James chapter 1, verse 13. Let me get my uh, audio. My uh, I'll just do it here on the computer, sorry. Let's pull that verse up. James chapter 1, verse 13. It's going to be kind of hard to read with this crack, but we'll try, okay? It says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. Right? And the Bible is always telling us the truth. So we know that in certain instances, God will test us. He will try to prove us. Right? And we know this because of what we see in James chapter 1 verse 2. Again, which reads, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. And also, First Peter chapter 
chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. Please bear with me as I use this computer for this with this crack. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And because of this, right, we know that, you know, when God commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac here, this was not an evil thing. God knew, right? He knew, you know, what he would, he knew what he was going to do in the end. He was not going to allow Abraham to murder Isaac. So many people look at this and they go, oh, it's so wrong what God did here. God knew what he was doing. And he was not, like I said, he was not going to allow Abraham to murder Isaac. There is a reason that God prohibited Israel from, from, from acting like Gentiles. You know, because the Gentiles, they would offer up their children as sacrifices to these so-called gods of theirs. These false idols, these, these, these man-made things. You know, like I said, let's take a look. Let's take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 31 it reads thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God for every abomination to the Lord which he hateth have they done unto their gods for even their sons and their daughters they have burnt in the fire to their gods the, these were monstrous acts, horrible things. And these things are contradictory to the character of the one true God. What God is doing here is he's, he's, he is testing, he's trying Abraham's faith here. That is the whole point. It shows us that Abraham knew God's voice. And, God, and Abraham would always obey God. God, okay? So, let's look at verse 2, Genesis 22, verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. Get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. He tells Abraham, right? He says, he, well, not only, you know, not only you know, Abraham is God's faithful servant, his good servant. And he tells him, what does he tell him? He says, take thy son and offer him. When I think of this, I think this had to have startled Abraham. But you see, that was the moment that the, the test was activated. He's told to do what? To sacrifice his only son. This is actually repeated not once, but twice. Making it, what? Three times. Think about what this would mean. He would be killing his son. 
And in doing this, it would have ended the Abrahamic covenant. This action does not make sense, does it? It's, it's, it's downright irrational. But still, what do we see? We see Abraham obey God, don't we? God tells him to, to take him where? To, to Mount Moriah. This is the area where Solomon would later build the temple in Israel. In Jerusalem, I'm sorry. Take a look at 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, in Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father, in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Oren the Jebusite. <coughs> the journey itself would have been about 50 miles. It's hard for you and me to even, even as loving parents, to put ourselves in Abraham's shoes here. Because his son, Isaac, meant so much to him. It, 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 his love for Isaac, was, was it bordered on worship. He'd already lost one son, you know, the son of his flesh. But look again at what God calls Isaac here. He calls Isaac Abraham's only son. God knew how much Abraham loved him. And, and that is why this is the son that... that God tells him to give up. Not you know, not 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 Ishmael like the Muslims would have you believe. You see, we all need to look here. We need to realize that if there's anything or anyone in your life that you would put before God, that is something that you need to just sacrifice. You need to give it up. That's the only way that you can have a true and deep relationship with God. Now, now back to this, to what we were talking about here. This spot that's called Moriah is still in Jerusalem today. And during Abraham's day, the the heathens would, would they that's where they would go and they would do human sacrifices to these false gods, you know, on these mountains. And, and God is only doing this. This, what, what we're reading here called temptation, which I'm telling you is just testing. He's doing it to see if Abraham would worship him under the worst possible circumstances. Now, to you and me, we can't comprehend this. This is beyond your, our, our ability to comprehend. And, and, and you will see me, you know, like I told you last week, when you're praying, you should start just, even no matter how bad your situation is, you should worship God. And sometimes you'll be, you, you will get so, I've done it, you'll get so lost in that worship that you will forget what the problem was. And brothers and sisters, it will make you so much happier. Worship God no matter how bad the situation is. While you're praying, worship God. And... Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> we'll get off subject here. <laughs> Verse 3. 
And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever noticed all of the symbolism we're seeing in this story? Let's look at let's look at some of them for right, real quick. First off, we see God, you know, God sacrifices his only son, right? And here in this story, we're seeing Abraham preparing to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now, what did Jesus ride into Jerusalem on? An ass. And take a look here at this verse. You'll see that the provisions for the sacrifice, right? They were carried to Moriah on an ass. Jesus, Jesus died on a cross between two other men. Here in this verse, we're reading Abraham took two men with him. Now, Jesus' cross was made of what? It was made of wood. When you read here in this verse, Isaac He's carrying the wood for his sacrifice, just like how Jesus carried his cross. Something else to think about. That wood, you know, wood, wood often symbolizes worldliness. Jesus, he went to Golgotha. He went to Golgotha on the orders of his father, God. We see here in this verse, Abraham and Isaac, they went to Moriah, which is in Jerusalem. Only order from God. We see that Jesus, he answered his father. What did he say? He said, not my will, but thine. Isaac, he's obeying his father here. Without, we, don't see him question, we don't see him question Abraham at all, do we? Anyway, verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Did you catch that? Read that again. It says that it was on the third day. In that last verse, we read that Abraham, he rose up early. This shows us that there was no reluctance at all. There was no delay. He set out on a two-day trip from Beersheba, and he went to Moriah, one of the hills that's around, that's around Jerusalem. Abraham, we see a lot of implications here, okay? Isaac was as good as dead on the third day, right? Abraham was grieved for him, just like the disciples grieved for Jesus for three days. Think about this. Jesus' body was in the grave how long? For three days. Resurrection was on the way. All right, verse 5 now. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come, uh, come again to you. Now, I want you to notice what Abraham said right there. He said, I and the lad will go and worship and come again. This journey, it took three days. Abraham, he, he had a lot of time to uh, reflect, if you will, on the command that God gave to him. And as far as we read, not once did he waver or even 
question the morality of what was to be done, nor did he question the purpose of God's command. What we read here is him reassuring, okay, those servants, that, that him and Isaac will return. And then, of course, he, he went on his way, and what did he do? He arranged the sacrifice. I feel it's important that uh, we look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to look, turn there with me, and we're going to look at verses 17, 18, and 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, in whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. This seems to me to reveal that, that Abraham was confident in the promise. He seems to believe that, let's say, only off chance, Isaac would have been killed. Abraham believed that, that God would raise him up. Or maybe God would, you know, provide a substitute, just like we see, you know. He says that they would come again to you. This was not an empty promise. I believe that 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 uh, Abraham really was convict, convicted of it, right? And, and that's based on what God had said, okay? He, he, he said it, let's, t- let's take a look. Back in uh, Genesis chapter 21, look at, verses t- at verse 12, and you'll see what I'm talking about. I was trying to think of what verse that was. Flip in there now. And God said to Abraham, Let it not be grievous in their in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondswoman. And all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called, right? In Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now, if we look, right, we look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 to 19. Like I said, he expected that Isaac, you know, would be resurrected. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, I will come again. This says the same exact thing. All of these parallels, they, it's amazing. The cross and Isaac. Jesus left those two on the cross, just like how Abraham leaves these two men here behind. I don't know if Isaac knew what was going to happen, but I'm willing to hazard a guess that he knew that something was up. I mean, here they were on the way. But where is the sacrifice? Take a look at verse 6. Let's go. Let's continue on. Verse 6. I have got to keep my finger in that spot. 
<laughs> and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they both and they went both of them together. Notice it says, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. If you read what Josephus says, you you would see where he says that the wood was being carried by a donkey. So he he would have taken the wood off that donkey, right? But it's also possible that uh, the two servants carried it. Because we read that Isaac carried it, like the verse says, and laid it upon Isaac's, Isaac, his son. Now, don't forget, Isaac was a grown man at this time. And he was able to carry it. And this is another way that Isaac is like Jesus here. Jesus carried the cross that he was crucified on. You know? We read about that in, in, of course, John chapter 19, verse 17. Let's flip over there and look at that real quick. And guys, if you ever want a Gospel of John, just a Gospel of John, let me know. I have many, many, many copies. Uh, it says, And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of, the, of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. You can look at this wood. The, the wood that Isaac is carrying, and, and you can look at that like our sins, okay? The ones that were laid, and there, and here we see the, 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 the wood, the sins, if you will, being laid on him by his own father. And he bore it on his body, on the tree, just like we see in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Take a look at that. And those Gospels of John, I'm willing to mail to you if you want one. Anyway, it says, 1 Peter 2, verse 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye are healed. Whose stripes ye are healed. Amen. Anyway, just, just like the wood to the fire fuel for the wrath of God which you know came down on him for for them the verse says and he took the fire in his hand and a knife so in one hand Abraham has the vessel that the fire was uh, was in to kindle the wood and in his other hand he was carrying a knife a knife to kill the sacrifice one to kill his own son and one to burn him with. Can you imagine how heavy those things must have felt in his hand? Because he, he knew what he was about to do with them. This is the first time in the Bible that we read a fire. Or even a knife being used like that. The verse says, And they went both of them together. Meaning they went away. Away from them, their servants. They were headed to the place of the sacrifice. Verse 7 now. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. 
Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I love how this verse starts off. It starts off with, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father. So here we see them, right? They're, just imagine it. They're walking along together, father and son. And it must have been quiet, right? Because it says, Isaac spake up and says, My father. As a father myself, you know, while I was preparing for this sermon, I was when I was typing, you know, my notes and going through it, I was just trying to imagine, you know, a, 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 as Abraham, right, you know, carrying this this deadly instrument in my hand and and, and knowing that I I'm I'm going to kill my son, and all of a sudden my son says, "Father." That hurt. That had to hurt. He knew what he was going to do. He knew that what he's about to do is contrary to the relationship and the affection that that he had for his son. And what do we see Abraham respond with? He says, and he said, here am I, my son. Essentially, in modern speech, he goes, yes, my son. Or, you know, ask what you need. What is it? He, he owns up to the situation that's in front of him. He, he hadn't put it off. He's holding in his hurt. A hurt that, that, that as they were walking forward, you know, was getting closer and closer to him. This shows Abraham's strength. This shows Abraham's faith. Isaac answers him, right? Isaac says, behold the fire in the wood. Remember, he has the fire in one hand, right? Uh, a torch or something, and he's got that in one hand. And um, Isaac has, you know, the wood on his shoulders. The verse says, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Isaac, he notices, right? He's noticing all the stuff. All the preparations are being made. His father had fire and wood, but there's nothing there for them to offer. No animal to be sacrificed. So he's asking his dad, right? He says, and, and, and this makes it look like, you know, like like uh, Isaac's ignorant to what's going to happen. He, he didn't know that, that he was going to be sacrificed. He does seem to, to have have been used to sacrifice, though. Do you notice that? He must have been trained up in that. You know, he must have seen them being performed before. He knew what they were for, and he knew what the, the prerequisite was. I think that, that he had become aware, you know, just like Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Both of them were reluctant to go through with it, but they were still obedient. The lamb always represents innocence. All right, let's do the verse 8. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. I, th I think right here we're seeing Abraham make a prophecy here. 
even though he did not mean to, okay? He says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. That's the Holy Spirit at work there. He seems to predict the Lamb of God. He seems to predict it. You know, the Lamb of God that that is provided by God, and takes away the sin, all the sins of the world. As we read on, we see Abraham, you know, preparing to kill his own son, and putting his trust in God, you know, into sharper focus. I want to, let's, let's look at it again. I know we've already looked at it before, but let's look at it again. Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had perceived the promises, the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Let's, uh, let's move on, verse 9 now. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. So when they got there, when they got to where God told them to go, Abraham, he takes the wood, and he, he builds a, let's face it, a funeral pike for Isaac. And then he, he we don't read it, Right? But he had to have told Isaac what was going to happen. He tells Isaac, you are the lamb that God has provided. And I have no, no doubt in my mind, okay, as a father, that we just don't read it, right? But I, I think Abraham, when he told him, you know, because like I said, we don't even read Abraham tell him, but he had to have told him. And I have no doubt that he comforted him with the hopes that, that, he himself was comforted with in his faith. The great sacrifice in the fullness of time was to be offered up. It had to be bound. And so we get the binding of Isaac. Jesus, he, he carried his cross up the hill. Jesus laid it down. Je- Jesus laid on the cross and he was nailed to it. And in doing that, Jesus was on the altar of sacrifice for you, for me, for everybody. And Isaac here, he was bound to the wood that he himself carried up that hill. And and he laid it down. All right, verse 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. So... The wood was there, and it had been placed like it was supposed to. He he bound Isaac. He takes the knife. He stretches out his hand. He's ready to deliver that blow. And all of this was an act of faith and obedience. It deserves to be a spectacle to God, to the angels, to us, to people. 
Sometimes God, you know, in his, in his providence, he will call on us to, to part with our own Isaac. That thing, like we, we discussed earlier, that thing that you love so much, that thing that has taken the place of God in your life. And we have to cheerfully give it up. We have to submit to God's will. Again, I want to call you. I want to call you to another verse. Okay, we're going to look at First Samuel chapter three, verse eighteen. And Samuel told him every wit, and hid nothing from him. And he said, "It is the Lord. Let him do." What seemeth him good. Amen. Amen. The, the phrase that Abraham said would forever be immortalized in this place. And that phrase was what? That phrase was, God will provide. So what is your, what is your Isaac? I want you to, before we move on, Think about that. Put that in your mind and just just consider it. In your life, do you have an Isaac? What is it? I'm not telling you to answer below. I'm not telling you to reveal it to us here. But what is your Isaac? Consider that in your mind and, and, and know that you need to give it up. Is it, is it what, I, <laughs> what I see daily in my life with people? Alcohol? Do you know how many people... I actually had a friend. I'm not naming names on here, so if you're listening, I'm not calling you out. But I had a fr- I have a friend in my life who who I I I want to call. Cl- I want to get closer to God, but he told me he said, you know, preacher, I would, but I don't want to give up my alcohol. He doesn't. He refuses to take God in his own life. And, it, and and I've watched him cry. He's called and he's talked to me on the phone about it a lot. He wants that relationship with God, but he does not want to give up his alcohol. Is it money? Again, I have another friend in my life who, who, who lost his own wife, his relationship with his wife, his, his their marriage broke up because he wanted to work overtime any time the job offered it he would rather be at work think and and he told me he said but I'm a good provider but you still have to be there the love of money kept destroyed his marriage because he would rather work overtime and have money that he's not having the time to spend because he's always at work He's he's not spending any time with his wife and kid because he's always at work. Is it your car? Is it is it uh, going on the internet and looking at pornography? Is it going on the internet and and, and uh, uh, dating and looking for women? Is that your there? Everyone in their life has a they have an Isaac, and you need to give that up. And move yourself closer to God. All right, let's move on. Let's look at verse 11 now. 
And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. Now, if you've watched me long enough, you already know what I'm about to say. But here it goes. I'm going to say it anyway. It says right there. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven. This is not one of those. I'm going to change up what I'm saying here. This is not a created angel. No, 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 no. This is the eternal one. This is the son of God. Here we see him coming down. Most likely he looked like a human. And we see him, what? He's speaking in an articulate voice. A voice, because it says he spoke. The verse says, and said, Abraham, Abraham. Now, the way he says Abraham's name here, and he, you, do you notice that he's repeating it? This is like, what this makes me think of is he's rushing down there. He's running. He's, he's, he has to prevent Abraham from killing Isaac. Remember, that is exactly what Abraham was about to do. And he's probably hurrying in, right, to get this over with. So the angel, he calls out his name quickly. Abraham, Abraham. It's not like what you're reading, okay? Because when you read it, it's like, Abraham, Abraham. No, no, no. I think it's like, Abraham, Abraham. Right? And it's here that the, similarity to, the similarities to Jesus end. Abraham was not about... Back up. Abraham was about to sacrifice his son. And we see someone higher, right, tell him, don't do it. See, Abraham, he passed the test. He showed that he was willing. He was willing, and he was going to do it. He was willing to sacrifice his son. The one thing that meant everything to him, he was not going to hold, a, he was not going to hold anything back from God. God was satisfied. Jesus was sacrificed, right? There was none higher than his father. So there was no one to, to appeal. All right, verse 12. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from who? From me. The angel says, now I know that thou fearest God. Now remember remember how, how I said that, that God was doing what? He was testing Abraham. Here we see that Abraham passed that test. He demonstrated his faith. And, and God would respond with justification. This shows us, right, that, that God was certain. He knew Abraham feared him. He, he knew Abraham feared him more than anything else. I mean, this man was willing to offer up his only son. So, so God provided a ram. He, he provided a substitute sacrifice. Take a look with me. Let's look, at, let's look at another verse here. Let's look at John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
This was a severe test. I, I could not even imagine how Abraham felt here. But through this, it helps you and me understand the, the grief that God must have felt at the sacrifice of his son. The Bible tells us that on that day, the earth quaked with sorrow. Verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. So God provided God provided a ram. The verse says, in the stead of his son. This right here is the introduction of an idea. And that idea was that you and some Christians call substitutionary atonement. Big words. And this finds its fulfillment in the death of Christ. Got a few verses to look at here. Got quite a few verses to look at here. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4, 5, and 6. Surely he hath borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Amen. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. John chapter 1, verse 29. <coughs> the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, we already read this one, but we're looking at it again. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sinned for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This right here, this verse that we're looking at right now, verse 13, is the greatest symbol of Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus is our substitute. You see, we're the ones who, who should have suffered. We're the ones that should have died on that cross. We already discussed this, but we're Barabbas. But you see, Jesus, the Son of God, took our place. God always provided a substitute. Amen. Verse 14. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. I know I'm butchering that. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Abraham named that place. He named it Jehovah Jireh, right? And I know I'm butchering it. <laughs> that word means the Lord will provide. This is a 
deeply, deeply significant name. God was the one who provided the ram, the one that was caught in that thicket, and he will later provide the atoning victim, his only son, Jesus Christ. And in this case, the ram was that type. Here we can imagine Abraham. Abraham is seeing the day that the preeminent seed, who is the future, or I should say who is in the future, who who would take away sin by sacrificing himself. The verse says, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. The proverb remained as a monument of this moment in the time of the, the, the one who wrote it, of course, was Moses. The, the mount of the Lord means the very height of the trial that he brings his saints. There he will certainly appear in time, right, for their deliverance. As we read on, we're going to read the uh, reaffirmation, if you will, of the Abrahamic covenant. The Lord mentions, you know, three elements of the land, of seed of, and blessing. But... This time, more attention is directed to the conquest of the promised land. We read it, it says, shall possess the gate of their enemies. Verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. As you can imagine, I, I don't have a lot to say there, Okay. But we do see that now that the angel, you know, had kept him from killing, you know, Isaac, having, you know, given him another sacrifice, he calls on Abraham again. This tells us, of course, that, well, the angel had something else to say. This time it was, you know, to, like I said, renew that covenant, that covenant that he made with him. And as well as, you know, to confirm it with an oath. We see it, we see in the next two verses, we see the same thing, I should say, in the next two verses as well. But I, I do want to call your attention to a couple other verses here. Um, several verses, actually. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 1, 2, and 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto the land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed chapter 15 verses 13 to 18 yes yes in genesis chapter 15 verses 13 to 18 it's quite a few verses like i said but read on with me and he said unto abram know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs and this is of course talking about egypt and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they ser shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, 
Thou shalt be buried in a good old age, and in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, for the river of Egypt, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. That river that's drying up now. Uh, anyway, um, Genesis chapter 17, verse 2. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I, and will multiply thee exceedingly. Right? Uh, again, uh, chapter 17. We're going to look at verses 17 to 9. Or, I'm sorry. 7 to 9. <laughs> oh, boy. Am I having a night? And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generation for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee and their generations." And then, of course, we have Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 to 14. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely blessing will I bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. All right, let's move on. Verse 16 now. And said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son. I like this opening here where it says, And said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, because of what we just read, right? God can't swear by any other. In fact, Abinezra points out that this is the greatest oath. And that it abides, you know, forever. Because you see, there is none greater than God. God can't swear by any other. So he swears by himself. His own nature, his own perfections, his own life. Again, take a look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, like we just read. And you'll see what I'm talking about. And because of this, we know that the angel was a divine person. The true Jehovah. Amen. The verse goes on to say, For because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, his only son. That is from the Lord, right? Remember what we read back in chapter 22, verse 12. In fact, let's go look at it again. Sorry, having trouble with my computer, sorry. 
Crack screen doesn't help. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. You see, this is repeated, isn't it? It's repeated as being, you know, uh, the most prevalent thing, most marvelous thing. A wonderful instance of faith in God and fear of Him and of love and obedience to Him. With respect to the will of Abraham and as far as he was willing to go, it was done. It was done as far as it was possible for him to do. So God looked on it as if he, you know, as if he had actually done it. God took notice of it. He was pleased with what Abraham had done. So, so he renews this promise. This was of God's own grace, God's own goodwill, and it strengthens Abraham's faith. It encourages many to obey, you know, what God has to, when God command, whatever God commands, do it, right? Verse 17, now let's keep going. That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. It says that in blessing I will bless thee, temporal and spiritual, okay, with the Spirit and all his graces, with Christ and redemption, justification and salvation by him, with eternal life as the gift of God through him. It goes on, And in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. This again, you know, means both his natural seed, right? Meaning the family, the one that would descend from him in the line of Isaac, as well as the spiritual seed, the Jew and the Gentile. You know, the ones that tread in his steps, right? Look at uh, verse chapter 13, verse 15. Genesis, of course. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. The verse says, And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Now, this, take, this talks about gate, right? For gates. This is, this is where courts of justice were held. We've talked about that before. This is also where the security of the city was. And, and and this would also include, you know, the whole country around it. This is speaking of the entire jurisdiction, the whole dominion over them. And this was fulfilled, literally, during the time of Joshua. Of David. Of Solomon. And it was later fulfilled spiritually through Jesus. Abraham's principal seed 
When Jesus destroyed Satan and his principalities and his powers, Jesus, the one who overcame this world, who made an end of sin, who abolished death, who delivered his people out of the hands of their enemies, and in all of Abraham's spiritual seed, made more that conquers over them, you know, through Jesus. Let's move on. Verse 18 now. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Look at that opening again. I got a lot to say on that little short verse here. <laughs> and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. The seed that we read about here is, of course, the Messiah. It's saying that it would spring from his seed. Take a look at Galatians Chapter 3, verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to the seed which is Christ. It was through the Messiah that the elect of God, the one from all nations, are blessed. Blessed with peace. Blessed with pardon. With righteousness. And of course, with what? Eternal life. With grace here now. And with glory afterwards. I call you again to look at Acts. Acts chapter 3 verse 25. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Amen. The verse goes on, Because thou hast obeyed my voice. You know, Abraham had obeyed God. He take he took his son. He was gonna offer he was getting ready to murder him and offer him. He had honored God by obeying him. Him and his grace and his goodness, honoring him with the promise of being the father of multitudes in the literal and the spiritual sense. Not only that, but Abraham, he, he, was, the, he was the ancestor of the Messiah. Through the Messiah would, 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 would be the blessing of grace and goodness. Remember that this is the Spirit of the Lord here. The one speaking to Abraham is the Spirit of the Lord. We're seeing the Lord swear by himself. And remember, there is none greater. What we're reading is, of course, him reiterating that blessing. We just witnessed Abraham pass a test, the test. And because he did that, all believers throughout time were blessed. Because Abraham was faithful. Isn't that powerful? You can't tell me that's not powerful. That should touch you down deep somewhere. Verse 19. So Abraham returned unto his younger men, and they rode up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt there at Beersheba. Beersheba. 
We know that Abraham and Isaac had, had they left those servants there with the donkey and they, you know, when they went up the mountain, right? We can see that, you know, they stayed there and they waited. Why? Because it says so. It says Abraham returned to his young men. This was because he told them to. He told them, stay and wait. We saw that back in verse 5. Now, oddly, it just tells us that Abraham returned. We don't see Isaac. Read that again. Read, read verse 19 again. So Abraham returned unto his young man. But we know that he was there because we later read we later read about him, you know, being there at the house. The verse goes on. And they rode up and went together to Beersheba. So when Abraham and Isaac came back, they, they got up and they went back to Beersheba where they lived. The verse tells us, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. So we know that he lived there. He lived there for quite a while. But in the next chapter, we read that, you know, he's in Hebron, right? So why not go ahead and look with me at chapter 23, verse 2. And I'm not going to use the digital, we're just flip. And Sarah died in Kirjith Arba, the, the same as Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Now, as we move on, we see <laughs> it was told. This might seem a simple statement to just people who read, you know, every day. But to a believer... This should clearly indicate that, you know, despite the geographical separation that, you know, in, that information about family ge ge genealogies, you know, flowing through the Fertile Crescent region, the update advised mostly of the daughter, and that, that is Rebecca who was born, you know, to Isaac's cousin, Bethuel. It also reminds us that Abraham and Sarah had not lost all of their ties to their original home. Abraham's brother, Nahor, he still lived back in Mesopotamia, even though he had not seen him in at, at least 60 years. And I want to make sure you understand something, because I don't... Muslims will use this verse to say that, that, that Rebecca was a child. But what you're reading about here is not this is what happened right then, okay? Abraham, he, he's receiving the information that we're about to read from a servant who's, who's just telling him, this has all happened since you left. Like I said, it's been at least 60 years. So his servant is telling him, hey, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. It's just news being delivered to him we know that rebecca was older but let's read on let's read verse 20 and it came to pass after these things that it was was told abraham saying behold milka she hath also born children unto thy brother nahor like i said it starts off right there and it came to pass after these things. After what things? That would be, you know, Abraham taking Isaac into Moriah and building that altar. Laying Isaac down on it, preparing to sacrifice him, right? 
we know that he offered that ram. And then we just read that he returned to Beersheba. Anyway, the verse says that it was told Abraham. As I said, this is news being delivered to him. Who told him this? Who's delivering this news to him? Did you expect me to have an answer? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. We're not told. It was probably just some someone who, who was from there. You know, maybe a servant of his brother, maybe a servant of Abraham. We don't know. Jarkey tells us that it was it was told to him by the Lord himself. And that it happened while Abraham was, you know, thinking who Isaac should marry. Maybe it was a daughter of Anir. I don't know. Maybe a daughter of Ishkel. Or maybe it was memory. I don't know. Anyway, it then says, Behold Milcah. She hath also borne children unto thy brother Nahor. You know, Sarah, Sarah believed, or I should say, it is believed that Sarah is the same as Iska, a daughter of Haran, and, and that Haran had borne a son to him, you know, and, and who he had, you know, received again as if from the dead. So, so Milka. Who, who was another daughter of Harsh, ha, had given birth to, to children for, you know, through Nahor, Abraham's brother, the brother that, that he left back in Ur of the Chaldees, the same brother who later comes and dwells in Haran of Mesopotamia. Let's read on, verse 21. Huz, his firstborn, and Buzz, his brother, and Kemuel, the father of Aram. Look at those names. They're important. Unlike some of us believe, they're important. Huz, he gave his name to Uz, which is where we read that Job lives. He was the descendant of this person. Also, we have... I'm going to butcher these names. (laughs) Alcitai of Ptolemy sprang from him. And, and and swell and and uh, dwelt near Babylon by the Euphrates. Buzz was the father of the Buzzites, who Elihu came from. The Elihu that we read about in Job. Look at the last one mentioned here. It says, "And Camuel the father of Aram." Now, this is not the same Aram that the Syrians called Arameans. That Aram was the son of Shem. And we read we read this back in Genesis chapter 10, verse 22. We'll read that with me. The children of Shem, Elam, and Asher... And Arphaxad and Lud and Aram. Okay? No. That one was probably called that because of where he lived. Just like how Jacob is called a Syrian in Deuteronomy. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 5. Okay? 
and thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God a Syrian ready to perish with my father and he dwelt and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there for a few and became there a nation great mighty and populous or or now maybe maybe he got that name given to him in, you know in memory of the ancient era we don't know right we can guess that the Camelites came from Kimuel. There are two types of Camelites that are mentioned by Strabo. They dwelt to the right of the river Euphrates, about three days' journey. Okay, now let's move on. Verse 22. And said and Hazu, and like I said, I'm butchering these names, Pildish and Jidlafa. And Bethuel. This Chesed here, when I looked him up, what I found that I believed that the Chaldees came from, you know, came from him because they are commonly called Chasdom. But you see, they are mentioned here in the Bible even before this, before he was even born. The only thing that historians have come up with is that they're mentioned in anticipation of him. The verse goes on to say, and Hazu and Pildish and Jidlaf and Bethuel, with these men, we hear nothing of their posterity, except for the last, for whose sake we, we read about the rest. Hazu and Chazu, circuit and, and, and you know, this is uh, Elimias, <laughs> is a country that belonged to Persia. There is a city called uh, that's now called Chuz because of his name. Okay, the whole country is now called Chuzistan. The people who inhabit that area are Assyrians, who who are called either Huzoi or Huzians. The same people that Strabo mentioned calling the Kosians. They're described as warlike people and they inhabit a barren and mountainous country. They tend to spoil and rob, okay? All right, moving on here. Verse 23. What's that go on to say? And Bethuel begat Rebekah. These eight. Milka did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother. This all was a way of leading up <laughs> to her, okay, to the wife of Isaac. Why? So that we know her genealogy. But it says, and Bethuel begat Rebekah. Aben Ezra and Jarki as well observed this. Why do I say that? Why do I say that this was all a way of just telling us about her? Did you notice that we read nothing more of any of these other children? Not even of Laban, who is her brother. We'll get to him later. We even read the exact number given when it says, These eight Milka did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother. Their names... And the amount are being eight. This was done to distinguish them 
from the other children of Nahor because he did have more, okay? Just by another woman. All right. So here we are where at the final verse of this chapter, verse 24, and it reads, And his concubine, whose name was Reuma, she bare also Teba and Gaham and Tehash and Mach, I can't say it. Ma'aka. Let us talk about what some of us read here wrongly. I'm going to say it again. Some of us read this verse wrong. And his concubine, whose name was Ryuma. Now, be honest. When you read that word concubine, you think of that modern interpretation of that word. Many people do. Many use this as a way of saying the, the Bible is sexist. That is not a harlot. A concubine is essentially another wife, a lower wife. She's the lawful wife. Just what she is, is she's basically like the head servant. Okay. They are mostly kept for reproduction. They were, they were not seen as unlawful. They were not seen as dishonorable as you would think. Okay, Hagar and Abraham's family, she was a, a, a she was a she was a concubine. The verse says she bare also Teba and Gaham and Tahash and Maka. I'm going to say Maka. Again, just like the other children, we read nothing else about them. I'm sorry. We, I do not want to call your attention to, I, I should say, I do want to call your attention to one thing, one interesting thing here, and that is that name that I have trouble pronouncing, Macha. This is a man, but later we see this name also given to a woman, a woman, right there in 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 13. Let's take a look at it. And also, Maka, his mother, even her, he removed from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove, and Asa destroyed her idol and burnt it by the brook of Kidron. Speaking of names, I do want to look at that name, Kimuel. That actually means assembly of God. Then you have Bethuel, which means the abode of God. Again, I want to mention how all of this, all of this family heritage that we're reading here, all this people that we just discussed, and I went into detail on some of them, all of it is done just to tell us more about Rebecca, the woman who would become the wife of Isaac, her cousin. But I do want to point out that in that those days, to the Jews, it was important that they do not marry a heathen. And will you allow me to say this? We should also see it as important today. 
so many of us, myself included, have married non-Christians. Because we all have this wrong idea. And it's, it's been taught to us, it's been crammed down our throats, that it's wrong for us to judge. But the Bible tells us to judge. Rightfully. We are told in the Bible, do not marry heathens. Now, I am not telling you to divorce them, okay? If you married a non-Christian, you're married to them now. And divorce is wrong. You need to make that work out. But again, this is not why we're here. We're not here to talk about divorce or or whether or not we married a Christian or not. That's not what we're here. We're here to talk about this chapter, right? So, um, I want to thank you for sitting through to the end. Like I said, um, I, I really wanted to give you guys a video. I really did. And uh, I, if you guys saw my computer screen, you would know. I, I just don't want to risk losing all of this. I have so many um, important notes that I need to transfer over to a new computer. And I'm going out in the morning and I'm going to try to find something. Because I do want to get back to doing lives. And I just got that new backdrop. I was so looking forward to doing a video again tonight uh, for you for Sunday. And when I found my computer like this, I just, it broke my heart. Really did. Um, so I'm going to look. If I can't find something cheap tomorrow, I'm going to go to the pawn shop on Monday. I'm going to find something. Uh, these videos, you know, Getting the word out is more important than the video. But I've got to get the video out. You know, I've got to get the word out. I've got to... I've, the, the ministry is important. And, you know, it, it may, may not make me not one red cent, but it's important. Um, but yes, um, we will be getting back to... I pray the Lord lets us... Get back to doing some lives on YouTube, on Facebook, you know, because basically what's going on is my job has decided because we've been working seven days a week that they want to, we deserve time off, right? And so they decided to go over to 12 hour days and it's going to be a rotating schedule. I'll be three on, two off, or three on, four off, four on, three off, and I'll be, I'll have days off and there will be Sundays, where I will be off. And on those Sundays, I want to try to do lives. Am I guaranteeing you lives? No. It's just a possibility. And it's also a possibility there will be more of these podcast exclusives that we enjoy so much. And I love doing. I love getting on here and doing the podcast exclusives. Those are fun. Um, so, thank you for sitting through to the end. Um, also, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, so before I forget, um, we do now have, uh, I did get a, uh, a voicemail set up, right? And this voicemail is for prayers. If you want to call in and leave a prayer request, um, you can do that. Uh, you can, uh, 
leave resp- you know, replies to, because I know some of you like, you know, you want to leave replies, you know, for the videos. You can call in, you can leave, a, uh, if there's something you would like to say, uh, just about the podcasting episodes, you can leave a voicemail there. Uh, just if you want to just leave a, a comment for the video, if you something you want to say that you would like for me to play on the air, I can do that. This is all something I set up. And the phone number for that, get your pen ready. You got it? You sure? You got your pen? You got your paper? Okay. 419-379-1418. You can leave voicemails for the show. You can leave your prayer requests. Uh, this is not just a number to get a hold of me, guys. Don't use it for that. This is just for prayer requests and things like that. Also, I will be doing um, I'm on-site reporting now. So let's say you have a, a pro-life event. Or you're opening a Christian bookstore. Or you know someone opening a Christian bookstore. Or offering a Christian service. Such as, uh, there are, like, I know in Louisiana we had the one that would give out medicines for people who could not afford their medicines. Um, if you're doing something like that, food drives, um, stuff like that, I want to come and, and report on it. I want to interview people. I got a new recorder just for that. Um, let's say something spiritually bad or good is happening and you want me to report on that you want me to go and talk I will leave that on the voicemail the name, the time, the location all that good stuff what it's about um, and I will go okay if you want to leave it in a, in a message on Facebook on the YouTube videos or wherever that's something new that we will be doing uh, so thank you all for uh, staying to the end. I know it was a lot to take in, and I just wish you guys, if you saw the screen, you would understand. Um, so God bless each and every one of you. Um, I love you. I love you all, and uh, it just means a lot for me to to be able to do this. So thank you all. And God bless you. Oh, thank you.